Okay. All right, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of the Revelation, the book of the Revelation, chapter 20. We're going to kick off by looking at one passage of Scripture there. We've got a lot of Scripture to look at this morning. I'm going to throw a lot of it up on the screen for you uh, so, you, you know, you don't have to be turning uh, to all of them because we've got so many. But we want to end our series that we've entitled, Death, the End or the Beginning. Now, Revelation chapter 20, verse 12, has this to say about the end of times. Jesus is on his throne. Jesus is judging some people. We're going to find out in a moment who these people are of which Jesus is giving judgment to. And John records this as he says this. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And then he says, as he got to looking here, he said there were books opened. How many books, we're not told. But John said as he sees God, the next thing that catches his eyes are some books that are being opened. And he said then there was another book open. So John sees a set of books, whether it's two books, three books, whatever. But then he happens to look and he says, but there was another book that was separate from these books, which is, he said, the book of life. And the dead, now the dead he's referring to here is the wicked dead, not the saved. Because those who are at this judgment are those who never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Those who continually, while they was here on this earth, rejected Jesus Christ when they had an opportunity to accept Him as their Lord and Savior. So this is what the Bible refers to as the wicked dead that is standing here before this throne. And he says, the dead, the wicked dead, those who had never accepted Jesus as their personal Savior, were judged out of those things which were written in the books. So what John saw is these people standing before God. God grabs the books. He begins to go through these books. And the judgment that is going to be bestowed upon these people would be a result of what was recorded in those books. And he said, it's going to be according uh, to their works. In other words, according to what they did or didn't do while they were here on this earth. Let's jump into this. This morning we're going to finish our look here at death. Is death the end or is death just the beginning? I want to submit to you this morning that for some, death is the end of an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. For those who do accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, death is the beginning of a great eternity. So this morning, we finish up our look here. Let me just kind of recap what we've looked at during this study. First, we saw that death is simply the removal of the spirit from this body. 
In other words, what we are, what you're looking at this morning, this body that you see standing before you is not Gene Hazel. Gene Hazel is that spirit person that is residing in this body. The real person, that spirit being, the soul that re, uh, abides in this, what the Bible refers to sometimes is this earthly tent, this earthly tabernacle, this earthly body. That is the real you. That is the real me, what resides in here. The next thing we looked at a couple of weeks ago is death is the end of this bodily, this fleshly bodily pain and suffering. Once death occurs, look here, the, the so body is gone. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. It is a heavenly body of which our spirit and our soul passionately desires. The third thing, we're going to receive a new body. And, but this new body, this new clothing is available only in the presence of God. You will not receive that new clothing, that new body while you're here on this earth. The next thing that we looked at here is for the saved, when uh, the, 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 the eyes of this fleshly body close, for those of us who know Christ is our personal Savior, when the eyes of this fleshly body close, close, and when that last breath is taken, the spirit is exhausted from these lungs. For the saved, our soul will immediately go to be with the Lord. Praise God. But for the lost, for those who have never come to Jesus Christ and said, Lord, forgive me a sinner, come into my heart, save my soul, or something to that effect. For the loss when the eyes of this fleshly body close and that final breath is exhausted from the lungs, the spirit will leave their body and immediately go to a place called hell, a place prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, last week I left you with a thought that some, uh, you know, uh, some people think that those who are in hell at this time will remain there forever. You know, and some of you probably think the same thing, that those who are in hell today is going to be in hell forever, but that is not the case. That's what I left you with last week. Every, listen to me, every soul that is in hell today, every person that rejected Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and their soul is in hell today, guess what? They're going to get to take a trip to heaven at one time. Hmm. Now that kind of puts some confusing looks on some faces because we think that once we're in hell, we're doomed there forever. I want to submit to you this morning that that's not the case. And I'm going to show you that here this morning. Now, let's just begin here by kind of putting everything together. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, when he went to what is known as Hades, okay? You say, well, I thought Jesus went to paradise. He did. But at that time, paradise was in a place called Hades, a place of departed souls. In other words, everyone who died you know, faithful to God or lost, went to a place called Hades. However, there were two sections of Hades, paradise and hell, a place that burns with fire and brimstone. 
But at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus moved paradise from Hades to heaven. We'll show you all that here in just a moment. Hades was a place for all departed souls at that time. Hades, prior to the resurrection of Christ, you know, consisted of three parts, and we see them in Luke chapter 16. Turn with me to Luke chapter 16. I want to show you the three parts of Hades, the three sections, if you please, of Hades. So here in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, which we, I think, talked about last week, we touched on it, we see all three compartments, if you please, all three sections of this place that's called Hades. Now, for uh, while you're turning there, for most that are here this morning, when you hear the word Hades, what do you think of? Holler it out. Hell. That's our first thought. Hell. Okay? But back during this time... Hades was a place of departed souls. Every person who died went there. When the story of the Lazarus and the rich man that we're going to read, if everyone's there, you will see that both Lazarus, who was a faithful person to God, and the rich man, who was not faithful to God, was in a place called Hades. I'll make it clear for you in a moment. And it came to pass, Luke 16, beginning with verse 22, that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. So here we have this poor beggar who is at the gate of this rich man every day just begging for the crumbs off his table of which the rich man wouldn't even give him the crumbs. He dies. And what we see is he opens his eyes in Abraham's bosom, in a place called paradise. The rich man also died, and he was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. Now, we, we don't see that Lazarus was in torment. He was in comfort. He was in peace, okay? But this rich man opened his eyes, being in torment, and he looks, and there's Abraham afar off with Lazarus in his bosom. In other words, he was being comforted by Abraham in a place that was not burning and him being in torment. Verse 24, And he cried and he said, Father Abraham, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in these flames. I'm tormented in these flames. But Abraham said this to him, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime didst receiveth good things. And likewise, Lazarus received evil things. But now, look at this, even though he didn't get nothing during his lifetime on earth, even though he was a pauper, even though he was a beggar, now, Abraham says, now that he has passed away, now that he has died, now that he is in paradise, look at this, now he is comforted. He's not in flames. He's not in torment. He's comforted. And you, he says, thou art tormented. 
verse 26. And Abraham said, look here, look here. Besides all of this, rich man, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. A great gulf fixed so that those which would pass from here to there can't do it. And those that would pass from where you are to here can't do it either. It can't happen. Neither can they pass to us that would come from where you are. Let's take a look at this. Okay? Here, here's what I was talking about. This place right here. Can everybody see that okay? Okay. This place right here is what is known as Hades. Hades. There are three Greek words for hell. Now, the, the, the King James always translates Hades as hell. And that's what's confusing to some. Because if you don't go to your strongs and see which hell he's talking about, then that's why we have the mentality when we hear the word Hades, hell, fire, okay? But in this passage of Scripture, Hades is, is the word that is translated hell. Now, what we see in the story, Lazarus died, and right here in the paradise section is where Lazarus was being comforted. And right here in, in what we know as hell, where the souls of the wicked dead are, is where the flames were at this time. And what Abraham said is, dude... Those who are here can't come here. Those who are here can't go there. And the reason is, is because this great gulf in between stops that. In other words, once you make your decision to reject Jesus Christ, you're going to be here. Once you make your decision to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're going to be here. That choice is yours as to which compartment you're going to spend eternity in. So that's what this story is saying here. You know, there's a compartment that we see here that burned with flames for the wicked dead. The wicked dead are those who reject Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, back during this day, Jesus hadn't died yet, had he? So those wicked dead that was here are those who were not faithful to God, did not trust God, rejected God, worshipped other gods. In other words, those who were not faithful to God. Those that were here, Jesus hadn't died yet, so they couldn't have accepted him as their personal Savior other than the thief on the cross. When he said, remember me when you go into your kingdom, and you remember Jesus' words to him was, today thou shalt be with me where? in paradise so when jesus died on the cross jesus went to paradise when the the repentant thief died he went to paradise they were there together in this place called paradise so a pair uh, a place called paradise was reserved for the righteous dead the righteous dead went to this compartment of hades okay the unrighteous went to this compartment of Hades, and they were there forever, as Abraham was clear. Once one goes here, they can't jump to here. Once one goes here, they can't jump to there because of that great gulf that is in between. The hellfire and brimstone preachers, you know, I, I used to love to listen to our old hellfire and brimstone preachers. I mean, they would get to 
preaching so hard, they would just get to sweating. They'd start ripping off their clothes. And, and, and they got to talking about how, how Jesus, when He died, okay, because, again, here, here was their misunderstanding. They didn't understand the, 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 the concept of Hades being a place of departed souls. And they would cry out and they would get to preaching and stomping and I mean halfway down the aisle, you know, and they would talk about how Jesus, when he died on the cross, he went to hell and he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He snatched them right out of the devil's hand. Remember those sermons? <sighs> they were fun to listen to. And they get you all fired up. Okay? But listen, folks, Jesus did not go into the flames of hell. Jesus went to Hades, that's true, but he went to the paradise section. And to top that off, do you know Satan has never been in hell? Satan has never been in hell. So how could Jesus go to the flames where Satan wasn't and take the keys of death, hell, and the grave from him? Because he hasn't been there yet. His time is coming. But Satan is the prince and the power of the air. He's never been to hell yet. We'll touch on that here in just a moment. So, Jesus was in Hades, but not the fire section of it. And like I say, Satan is yet to experience the lake of fire, but that's going to come. After the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth, then a short period, he's going to go out to deceive the nations of the four corners of the earth. The Bible refers to it as Gog and Magog. And he's going to gather a bunch of people together for one final attempt to dethrone God. And then, when that fails, Satan will then be cast in, excuse me, to the lake of fire that burns with brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and he shall be tormented there day and night. So what we can see in this scripture is that before the resurrection of Christ, okay, before Jesus was resurrected, right here, he was in this place called paradise, in a place that is called Hades, okay? Uh, the righteous dead, here, the unrighteous dead, here. But then, you know, something happens. And what he did is he moved paradise to heaven. Okay? Now, now, to be absent from the body, we're told, is to be present with the Lord, and the Lord is in heaven. Now, I want to look at some scriptures, quite a few. That's why I'm just going to throw them up on the screen for you, because we would be turning, you know, pages, and for those who don't read their Bible much, dust would come out, and then we're going to get some people started sneezing, and, you know, we don't want all that, you know, because then you're going to sneeze and pass germs and things like that. So I'm just going to throw them up on the screen for you. First of all, we're talking here about how now when we die, we are going to be with Jesus, who is now in heaven. Psalm starts it off. Psalm 68. Thou has ascended on high. Speaking about Jesus Christ, this is prophecy. Thou has led captivity captive. John, go back to that picture. I hadn't planned on that, but go back to it. Okay. What he's talking about here, thou has led captivity captive. If you'll notice here... The righteous souls of Christ come up. 
What happened here is that the resurrection of Christ, those who were in this place called paradise, they was resurrected with Jesus Christ. We're going to look at some scripture here in a moment to tell you that. So that's what that scripture is talking about, that he led captivity captive. All of those that was in paradise, he moved to heaven. Now get back where we was, John, on that passage of Scripture. So he led captivity captives. Thou hast received gift from men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God may dwell among them. Now look at the next Scripture, Ephesians 4, 8. And I've got these uh, Scriptures just wrote down in your notes. You can go home and you can look at them for yourself. Now wherefore, he saith, now look at this, when he ascended on high, who is he making a reference to? Jesus Christ. When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. Again, the Old Testament talked about how he was going to lead captivity captive. Now we see here in Ephesians, as Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, he said that when he rose, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. Now he that ascended is but also he that descended that's when he's talking there about going into Hades, the paradise section, into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended, talking about Jesus as he went down to paradise, is the same also that ascended far above all heavens that he might fulfill all things. So when Jesus resurrected, he was on the earth. Many of those that was in paradise at that time, we're going to see here in a moment, they was also resurrected. They walked around Jerusalem. But then when Jesus left and he went up to heaven, all of those went with him and he moved paradise to heaven. Now when the righteous die, they don't go to the paradise section of Hades. In my opinion, he had to enlarge that because there's so many evil people. So now Hades is probably all of burning flames. But Jesus Christ moved paradise to heaven with him. Where are we at here? Okay. And the graves were open. Look at this. This is showing you that, you know, those that was in paradise resurrected with Jesus. And the graves were open and many bodies of the saints which slept. Again, slept is a King James word for died. They arose. And look at this. And they came out of their grave after his resurrection, after Jesus' resurrection, and they went unto the holy city and they appeared to many. Can you think of how things went that when people started seeing people that died 15, 20, 30 years ago now walking around Jerusalem? I guarantee you that got some attention. But then when Jesus ascended on high, he took them with him. And then he, in uh, uh, Revelation 1.18, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Now look at this. And I have the keys of hell. Now again, if you have a Strong's, okay, that is the word Hades. That is the word Hades. I mentioned a while ago, there's three Greek words for hell. The King James translates all of them hell or Okay, one is Hades, the place of the departed souls. The other is Tartarus, is the Greek word. That is where the Bible talks about some bad motor schooler angels that are in chains even today because they're so wicked. They are in what is called Tartarus. And then there's another word, Greek word, that is translated hell, and that is Gehenna, 
Gehanna is the place that the rich man was. Gehanna is the place that burns with fire and brimstone. But what we see here is, he says that Jesus holds the keys to death, hell, in other words, Hades, where all departed souls of the wicked are, and of death. Look, Jesus now holds the keys to both the place of departed souls and the grave that they're laid in. Don't miss this part because this has all come together in a moment. So Jesus holds the key to Hades, which is where their, what, souls are at this moment, right? This means yes, this means no. That means you're asleep and you're going to miss all of it. Look here. So Jesus holds the keys to Hades, the place where all the lost souls are. And he holds the key, what's he say here? To death, to death, or the grave. Now, what does that mean? That means Jesus has the keys to unlock Hades to bring their souls up. Jesus also has the keys to the grave to unlock it where their bodies are and bring their bodies up. Yes, there is going to be a resurrection, a bodily resurrection of the lost one day, and we're going to see that here in just a moment. So Jesus has the keys to unlock their soul, Unlock their bodies. Okay, let's, let, let's move on there. It's all come together in a moment. So if it's clear as muddy water right now, I promise you I'm going to clear it up. And one day, listen, he's going to use those keys to unlock both and bring forth the bodies from their grave and their souls from Hades to appear before him. Okay, we talked about this last week, but I want to kind of hit it again. I want to look at the, ju- the righteous deeds of the judgment or at the r- judgment seat of the Christ. In other words, the, the righteous dead at the judgment seat of Christ. Okay? So, we made mention of this last week, but I'm going to go a little deeper into what happens to the saved right after the rapture. Okay? The righteous dead will rise and, and be raptured, and the next thing that's going to happen is the Bema Seat judgment for the saved. That's why Paul told the church at Rome, why doest thou judge thy brother? Why do you look at someone else and you judge them? He says, don't you know that, 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 that you know, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ? Now, he's talking to the saved people. Listen, saints of God, listen, saved people. He's saying, you don't have a right to judge somebody else because you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Okay? Now, it is not a judgment that we're going to stand before as saved people to determine if a person is going to make it to heaven, okay, or hell. Rather, it is a judgment of rewards. So only the saved are going to be at this judgment seat of Christ. And the purpose of this, right after the rapture, right after the rapture, the purpose of this is to determine the rewards we're going to receive for how we have been, how we have ministered, how we have treated others as Christians since accepting Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. So if you're at this judgment, you've made it to heaven, but what now? Let's look at some other verses here. First of all, John 5, 25. Verily I say unto you, now this is Jesus speaking. Verily I say unto you, the hour is coming and is now 
when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority. God has given Jesus authority, Jesus says, to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. And he says in verse 28, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which, now look at this word right here, all, all, everyone, every person who has ever lived that are in the graves shall hear his voice. Don't miss the word all there. That's the key to this. Every person who is alive on the face of this earth today, lost or saved, is one day going to hear the voice of Jesus Christ. And look at verse 29. And they shall come forth, they that have done good, to a resurrection of life. That will be those who are saved when we're raptured out. That's the resurrection of the saints. That's the resurrection of the righteous. We will be resurrected at the rapture. And they that have done evil, there's going to be another resurrection. And that is a resurrection of damnation. Remember, Jesus holds the key to Hades, the place of departed souls, and he holds the key to the grave where the body is buried. And one day, he's going to make that call. For the saved, it's going to be at the rapture. For the lost, it's going to be after the seven-year tribulation period. It'll be after the millennial reign. It will be when he calls them up to stand before that judge, I mean, that white, great white throne. Now, let's look at uh, about the, the saved here. First Thessalonians 4. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Those who are already in the grave are going to come up first when they hear that trumpet sound. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we forever, forever be with God. This is the word to the saved. And then 2 Corinthians 5. We are confident, I say, and willing to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. Wherefore, or because of this, we labor, that rather present or absent we may be accounted of him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to what he has done, rather they be good or bad. So we see the saved are going to stand before Jesus at that judgment seat of Christ at the rapture of the church. Now, one more here, 1 Corinthians 3. According to the grace of, God, of the grace which God hath given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid a foundation and another built thereupon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. And if any man build upon this foundation, what, the foundation of Jesus Christ, the foundation of his death, the foundation of his burial, the foundation of his resurrection, that is the gospel. Every man that buildeth upon this foundation, he buildeth gold, silver, or precious stone. Okay, now if any man build upon this gold, silver, or precious stone, wood, hay, or stubble. 
Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work, what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved so as by fire. Look, as we pointed out last week, because we are Baptists, you know, we believe in security of the believer. I fully believe in security of the believer. That simply means once saved, always saved. But it's easy for us as Baptists sometimes, because we believe in the security of the believer, because we believe once I'm saved, I'm saved. I can't lose my salvation, you know. It's easy for us sometimes because of that mindset to have the mindset of I'm saved, I'm sealed, I'm satisfied. Whoa. I'm saved, I'm sealed, I'm satisfied. Listen to me. Once we become satisfied in our walk with the Lord, listen closely. Once we become satisfied in our walk with the Lord, Everything from that point on, when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, is going to be wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to all be burned up, everything you do from that point on. Folks, we should never be satisfied in our walk with the Lord. You know, we should always be wanting to, to grow closer to God and, and, and do more for God because one day we're going to answer to God for our obedience or our lack thereof, you know, since our accepting Him as our Lord and our Savior. Look, we got to take this ministry thing serious. You know, we got to take church attendance serious. We got to take ministering to others serious. We got to take, uh, you know, this helping and, and meeting the needs of others serious. We got to take this helping the widows and the orphans serious. We got to take this Christian thing serious, folks. Because the moment we stop taking it serious, you know, that's it. Once we become satisfied, that's it. And everything you do from that point on, when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, is going to be wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to all be built up. You're not going to receive a war, uh, reward for it whatsoever. So we better understand we should never become satisfied in our walk with the Lord. Rather, we should always be seeking to grow closer and closer to Him. Now, real quickly, let's look at the wicked dead. They're going to stand before this great white throne judgment we see in the Revelation chapter 20. The righteous dead will be resurrected to stand before Jesus at the Bema seat, which will be a judgment of the rewards. But the wicked dead will also experience a resurrection to stand for, before Jesus for a different reason, for the purpose of determining their degree of punishment in hell. Now, that may be news to some, the term degree of punishment in hell. Okay, but we're going to explain that here in a moment. John chapter 5, verse 28. Go back to that. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all, again, I told you a while ago, pay attention to that word all, that are in the grave shall hear his voice, not just to say the lost also, and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life. That is the rapture. That is the saints. But they that have done evil to a resurrection of damnation. Two resurrections. The resurrection of the saved. 
a resurrection of the lost. Look, all, all, everybody say all. All. All shall experience a resurrection, both righteous and unrighteous, both saved and lost. Let, let me show you something else here. Oh, let, let's look at one other. Well, yeah, let's go at one other scripture right here. Okay, throw that next scripture up, John. There we go. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat upon it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there were found no place for them. And I saw the dead. Now, again, this is making reference to the wicked dead. Small and great stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead, the wicked dead, were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell, again, Hades, delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to his works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Verse 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in to the lake of fire. That is Gehenna. Gehenna. The lake of fire. Let me explain this to you. What this verse is saying. All of those today who are in this section of paradise, this sec- I mean, this section of Hades. And again, I'm one to believe that maybe the whole section now of Hades is hell. But all of those that are in here one day are going to experience a resurrection. Okay, they will be resurrected and brought up. Now, here we are right here. This is Gehenna. Here, 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 here they are in Hades. They are going to be resurrected to go to heaven didn't I tell you they're going to make it to heaven? They will be resurrected to go to heaven to stand before this judgment seat of Christ. I mean, I'm sorry, the great white throne judgment. And what we see is there are going to be a set of books open. Jesus will go through every good deed they ever done in their life. He will go through every bad deed they ever done in their life. And he's going to judge them. The scripture is clear. According to the things written in the books. But then what he's going to do. After he looks at their record. So to speak. He's going to open the book. The book. The book. Of life. The book. Has recorded in it. The name of every person who has ever accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. The book has every name of every person who has ever accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. When he opens the book and their name is not written, recorded, there in the book, then they will be taken and cast into the lake of fire what is called Gehenna. Remember I told you a while ago there's three words for uh, hell, Hades, 
Tartarus, which is where, you know, uh, Peter talked about the angels that are so bad are being held there today. And then Gehenna, which is the lake of fire. They will be cast into the lake of fire. Okay, notice something about this verse. These books are open. The people are going to be judged out of those things. Listen, hell is certain because those present don't have their name recorded in the Lamb's book of life. But their punishment was going to be determined by the things recorded in the books, the books of their works or their deeds that they performed while they were here on this earth. Now, understand this. Though I believe degrees of punishment, and again, the reason I believe that, some people don't believe there's going to be degrees of punishment, that hell is just hell. But why would he judge according to the things written in the books if there's not degrees of punishment in hell? But can I tell you something? The best seat in the house is not one to be desired because it's still going to be eternal, eternal separation from God. The best seat in the house you don't want. Trust me on that. How sad that it's going to be a day in which what we would call good people, we, we all know good people, don't we? In fact, Joe, a while ago you said you've got kinfolk that is lost they're good people aren't they sure they're good people we all know good people you know who when the books of works are open god's going to be able to point out a lot of good things you did okay a lot of good things you did you 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 helped the poor you gave thousands of dollars to charities you volunteered in hospitals you volunteered in nursing homes you volunteered for the gideons and you handed out bibles you was a good person you know you you done a good community events and you 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 just worked hard however he's going to point out all those things the good things you've done but then he's going to go over here to the book and he's going to open that book He's going to go down the list of every person who has ever accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. And when their name is not recorded in the book, they will be cast in to Gehenna and to the lake of fire that burneth with fire and brimstone forever and ever and ever. Let me just conclude with this. When it comes to death, it's not a matter of if I die. Listen to me. It's a matter of when I die. You hear that? It's not a matter of if I die. It's when I die. I won't mention the name. This person wants to tell you they can. But we got one person here, one family here in the church that in less than two years, Less than two years has lost 10 family members. I want you to think about that. In less than two years, they've lost 10 family members. Just buried the 10th one yesterday. Now, wouldn't that kind of let you know that people are still dying? Chances are there's not another one of us in here that has lost 10 people in less than two years in our family. Wouldn't even want to think of that. But folks, listen to me. Death is certain. At any, hey, I might not even finish this sermon, okay? 
Because, listen to me, every one of us in here this morning, listen to me, is one breath away from death. You know what I mean by that? What I mean by that is, that could be the last one. One breath away from death. And trust me, as good as Google is, okay, and you can find everything on Google, except why my RV is leaking water out of an overflow. You know, I haven't been able to find that out. I think I know, but anyway, you can find everything on Google that you want to find. But can I tell you something you will never find on Google? Your death date. You'll never find where that last grain of sand is going to go through that hourglass and you draw your last breath. And when I do, when I draw that last breath, the question I got to ask myself is, which judgment will I stand before? And where will my soul spend eternity? Again, some think that those who are in hell at this time is going to remain there forever. But as we see, that's not the case. As we've seen this morning, every soul that is in hell today is one day going to go to, uh, to hell, I mean to heaven. But the question is, how long will they remain there? How long will they remain there? But here in Revelation chapter 20, we see the souls standing before the great white throne judgment who are the resurrected dead, those who are not saved prior to facing their death on this earth, those who did not accept Jesus Christ during their life, rather they rejected the sacrifice that he made on the cross for their sins. These doomed individuals, they represent all classes of people. Let me tell you, all classes of people from paupers to princesses, all classes. They're being judged by the faithful and true judge who died to provide a way of escape from sin and eternal punishment. Those assembled here at the great white throne judgment, they rejected Christ's redemptive works and they rejected his gracious invitation to believe on him and have eternal life in heaven. And as a result of rather than being judged on the basis of Christ's work, they're now being judged on the basis of their own works. And there's no works we can do that can gain us access into heaven. Not of works. At least any man should boast. So we're going to have to stand before him. People will have to stand before him based on their works. And the record is going to show they sinned and they failed to repent. And at the same time, another book is open, which is that book of life. And as verse 15 points out, the doomed are sentenced to eternal punishment because their names are not written down in that book of life, being judged by what is written in the books according to what they have done. But the absence of the defendant's name in that book, the book of life, okay, the Lamb's book of life, is the determining factor in his or her consignment to hell. So yes, they made it to heaven. They made it to heaven. Finally, from hell to heaven. But listen, they was only there long enough to be sentenced to an eternity in the lake of fire, into Gehenna 
a place prepared for the devil and his angels. And you know what? At that time, Satan will be there because Jesus will have cast him into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet are. What about you today? If you was to draw your final breath in the next five minutes, in the next five minutes, and that spirit man, that soul of yours is exhausted from these lungs, and this body just goes limp, which is what death is. Will your soul go to heaven to be with Jesus? Or will you be like the rich man who opens your eyes in hell, being in torment? All because, all because, when you had an opportunity to accept Jesus as your personal Savior, you said no. You see, I have people ask me quite regular, why would God send someone to hell? Hey, Peter was plain. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should repent. It's not God sending a person to hell. It's a person choosing to go to hell because they reject Jesus Christ's invitation to make him Lord of their life. So what about you this morning? If you don't make it out those doors, if you don't make it to your car, or maybe you make it to your car and, and you, you, you get out on that road and you don't make it to your house. You know, years ago, we had a, there was an electrician that come up here when we still had the old building and, and uh, worked on the electric stuff. Y'all may remember this, Mary. Y'all was here then. He left. They wrote him a check. He had the check in his pocket. He took a left here at the stop sign. Didn't even make it past that first curve. Y'all remember when that guy wrecked right there? There was a cross there for a number of years. He made the left, didn't make it to that first curve, ran off the road and killed itself. Hey, he just got through working on a church. That was good, wasn't it? When they found him, the check was still in his pocket. The check was still in his pocket. What about you? Where would you spend eternity? God don't send no one to hell. It's our own choice as to where we're going to spend eternity. What will yours be? Let's pray.